Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Aliens, explosions, cars crashing through houses, jam-packed full of action. Then, Darkness reaches out to a fearful child, with only his brother to save him. Yes, listeners, it's a Fan Story Friday, and I have two stories sent through to me that I can't wait to share with you all. Our first story, Darkness Falls, is a continuation of a previous story written by Forsaken X, and is jam-packed full of alien action goodness. Our second story is The Children in the Shadows, written by Quinn, a tale of one brother's determination to save another brother. But can he? Join me today for two fan stories just for your ears. Turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and get ready for something unique. Darkness Falls, the finale. Seafape, lead specialist Andrew and his associates, Danielle and Lindsay, all gathered in their office and began another day of intelligence and preparation studies. Seafape stands for Center for Alien Intelligence Attack Preparation, founded by the government but led by Andrew and company. After the first alien invasion was cleaned up, the president and all his associates found it only natural that these three survivors would be best suited for the positions. Together, Andrew, Danielle, and Lindsay survived and overcame the attempted invasion. Countless hours of studies and observation of space have been carried out day in and day out to better prepare for a similar attack. With the support of the government, NASA, and our American allies, this intelligence center is funded for the world's safety. So, Danielle, anything new in the sky? No, not as of late, said Danielle. Lindsay, how is the weapons preparation and creation running as of late? Excellent. Everything is excellent and on schedule, Lindsay said. We had a major breakthrough with the alien intelligence collected from the attack. We have been able to weaponize some of the alien tech. I present to you the mini black hole gun. One shot from this and a temporary black hole is open, and for three seconds, it will inhale your enemies. So where does everything go? Asked Andrew. Lindsay looked Andrew dead in the eye and said, Does it really matter? I get paid to create weapons, not explain its complexity. Yeah, that's true. Good. Next, we have weaponized one of the alien guns. I present to you the disintegration gun. Lindsay fired a shot at a chair. And poof, it was gone. Well, seems we are a whole lot more prepared this time, Danielle said. Yes, very much so. Great work, Lindsay, and great work, Danielle. People around the world had come together and helped each other to rebuild and learn to live again. But for some reason, there is always that one person that seems to like chaos and civil unrest. In a remote part of New York, there was a man named Phil, whose mission in life was to contact aliens and otherworldly beings. Currently, Phil was working on a radio transmitter capable of breaking through the fibers of space and time. A unique transmitter indeed. Day by day, he was getting closer to communication with the other world. His intentions were evil and destructive. When he makes contact, he was going to try and communicate to the aliens instructions on how to invade Earth again. Ah! Phil exclaimed, Finally, it's ready. 
Phil powered up the radio device and began surfing frequencies till he happened upon a promising one. He began a Morse code message that seemed to be universal enough. It gave the aliens instructions on how to bypass Earth's new security. He offered up his allegiance to the aliens in return for his life. Little did he know, the message was being received loud and clear. Millions of light years away, the alien race that invaded Earth before was preparing for a new invasion. Phil had given the aliens all the information they would need to make the trip back and execute their second attack. Back at home, Andrew, Danielle, and Lindsay were enjoying some much needed quality time. It's so nice to just sit and watch a movie, guys, said Lindsay. Yes, it is, Danielle cheerfully exclaimed. When all of a sudden, their phones began to blare an important message, the aliens had arrived and wasted no time in initiating their murderous rampage. We have to get to the compound now, yelled Andrew. Lindsay went for their weapons and they suited up, ready for action. All of a sudden, the whole roof of the house was blown off. Andrew shouted to press the attack and haul ass off to the compound. They began laying down heavy fire at the creatures, and in that array of gunfire, the creatures began screaming in dismay, dying one by one, destroyed by their own technology recently weaponized by the team. Lindsay's combined technology with the standard weapon tech turned regular soldiers into monsters of destruction. Get to the car! Andrew shouted as the team peeled away. Though prepared, Earth was blindsided by how abrupt the alien attack was whilst also remaining relatively undetected. Loss of life was piling up quickly on both sides. Stop! Right here! Lindsay shouted. I am picking up a strange signal. She traced the signal using experimental tech locating its origin. We need to get to this location quickly. The owner's name is Phil Wiley a former computer tech for NASA. I think that's where the source of the signal is coming from. That's when Lindsay and the team realized that Phil had found a way to communicate with the creatures. As long as his signal stays live, it will continue to cripple Earth's defenses and channel more aliens onto the Earth's surface. They needed to get to this house fast and off they sped. Phil, however, was continuing to broadcast his signal and more rapidly as time progressed, they reached the house. I've got an idea, Andrew says. I'm gonna ram through the house. The squealing of tires were heard on the streets as the car plowed through the side of the house. Phil, dumbstruck for what he thought was spinning tire wheels, stood still trying to detect what he was hearing only to see a car come smashing through his front door. Debris flying everywhere, Phil was tossed across the house, slamming into a nearby door. The team hops out of the car, not seeing Phil under the debris, and bolting straight to the transmitter. Lindsay deployed her tech, working hard on dismantling the signal, while Andrew and Danielle searched for Phil, who surprisingly, without a sound, had made his way through the rubble and was heading straight for Lindsay. Hey, you guys, I got... Out of the rubble, Phil burst and stabbed Lindsay in the back. You bitch. It took me years to get that message right. Andrew, mortified, could only see red at that point, grabbing Phil by the hair and slamming him to the ground. And Lindsay was bleeding. Phil was struggling but pinned to the ground. Lindsay, however, was bleeding badly. But it seemed to be over. Huh. <sighs> What are you gonna do, boy? Phil struggled to say. 
The idea that he could be losing his teammate there and then, Andrew, caught up in the fury of the moment, reached low and broke Phil's neck. Lindsay was indeed dying right there on the floor. She gave instructions to Andrew on how to finish the signal off so they could push back the alien force completely and send them back where they came. In my lab, there's a special tablet that will shoot an EMP signal and down the alien defenses. We had a good run, but you guys have to take it from here. The code to the container tablet is 672897. The password is family. You guys are my family. I love you both. Be safe. And I love... With that, Lindsay took her last breath. Andrew picked up Lindsay and placed her gently in the car, telling Danielle that we'll handle this later, but right now, we have to finish this. Off they sped to the lab, but as they arrived, the entrance of the compound was infested by alien creatures. Andrew glares at Danielle and she knew exactly what he was thinking. He took Lindsay out of the car and gently laid her on the ground safely out of the way of any of the carnage that Andrew and Danielle are going to wreck on the compound. Andrew placed a rag in the gas tank, jammed the gas pedal down, and let it rip. As the car drove through the gates, it exploded. Alien body parts and guts splattered all over the place. Andrew slung Lindsay over his shoulder as she was going to make sure she was buried properly, not eaten or consumed by some random alien creature. Blasting their way through the debris of what remained outside, they entered full force. In the compound though, everything was pure chaos, having the current explosion from the car adding to that chaos. Making their way to Lindsay's office, they encountered a new and large alien. It spoke. We are here to finish your kind. Quick-witted as always, Andrew answered back. Yeah, well, that's a precious thought. But not today. The monstrous alien took its battle stance, but Danielle had enough of this creature's shit. Grabbing her grenade launcher, she pegged a mortar straight into the alien's stomach, burying it deep into its flesh. As its force drilled it deep into its guts, it screamed in agony, struggling to reach it, clawing at its abdomen, screeching in panic. Then, split in two and splattered on the ground. A victory only possible with Lindsay's technology. Oh, looks like this guy's feeling beside himself. Danielle was always a sucker for one-liners. Continuing to Lindsay's office, they input the codes, got the tablet, transmitted the signal, and it was done. The channel that kept the aliens linked to the Earth was destroyed. Earth 2, Aliens 1. The mothership was forcefully ejected from the Earth's atmosphere, pushed back to their home planet far, far away. Back on Earth, Andrew and Danielle gave Lindsay a proper burial, saying goodbye was hard. They've been through so much, and they will always remember her. And doubly so. In Lindsay's death, she left behind a final weapon blueprint, which stands to this day in outer space. It was a missile defense system, specifically equipped for space warfare. And as expected, a warning system equipped with Lindsay's voice saying, You're, You're not, not welcome, welcome near Earth. If you, you are an alien, alien ship, ship, change your course, or you will be destroyed. If Lindsay's warning is not heeded, then the spacecraft is met with a flurry of iron and thermal destroyer missiles that will incinerate any type of alien ship, at least any that we know of. 
now Earth is safe, and life goes on. Andrew and Danielle still head up Seafape, and although there is peace now, they will always be ready. The Children in the Shadows Good night, Josh. Quinn pulled the covers over his little brother's chest. Josh was wearing his favorite pajamas again, despite the hour-long argument that flannel wasn't exactly a summer weight fabric, and the buttons were on the verge of falling off. Surrendering with a sigh, Quinn walked out of the room, flipping the light switch as he went. Not a second later, Josh's Batman lights went out, which instantly sparked whining from the six-year-old. My night light! I can't sleep without my night light! The shadows will get me! Quinn sighed again, <sighs> silently counting the seconds until mum and dad would be home. It was like this every night. Josh would whine to mum or dad and they would make sure his nightlight was working or that the hall light was on. Anything to placate Josh's irrational fear of things that weren't really lurking in the shadows, waiting to snatch him away. Only tonight, it was Quinn who was left to placate him. Bad enough he had to miss out on Bailey's party to babysit his little brother, but now he was also expected to cater to Josh's ridiculous fear of the dark. I'll grab you a flashlight, Josh. Just give me a second. It was all he could do to block out Josh's blubbering as he walked into the kitchen. He pulled the drawer open and rummaged around. A flashlight had to be in there somewhere. Quinn, hurry! The shadows! Quinn found a couple of flashlights and picked one up, tapping it gently against his chin. Maybe it would be better if he did them all a favor and showed Josh that there was no such thing as monsters under your bed, nothing at all lurking in the pitch black night. If you let Josh cry it out just for one night, maybe the kid would grow up and stop being such a baby. Maybe then babysitting him without pay and missing out on the party of the year wouldn't be so bad. Quinn mulled this over for a moment, blocking out the whimpers from down the hall. It's just the dark, Josh. There's nothing in it that isn't there in the daytime. Josh screamed. And it wasn't one of those little brat screams for attention. He sounded terrified. Like his life depended on someone hearing and responding to his terrified shriek. Quinn bolted back to the bedroom and stared in shocked belief. A long, dark shadow was looming over the bed, but it wasn't any ordinary shadow. It was darker than the rest of the room, and moved of its own free will. It was a creature made of shadows. It was alive. Part of it whipped forward and wrapped around Josh's ankle. Josh cried, Help me, Quinn! The shadow monster was pulling Josh off the bed, but Quinn was frozen in place, staring at this thing that couldn't possibly exist. Josh was flailing, tears streaming down his cheeks. Breaking free from his trance, Quinn clutched his brother's wrist, but he was hit in the chest and thrown against the wall. Pain bolted through Quinn's back as he hit the wall and crumpled to the floor. He struggled to sit up again, but a tentacle of the shadow monster stood in front of him, defying him to move. There were no eyes or mouth, but somehow Quinn knew that the thing was looking at him. He swore he heard a growl, but it had no mouth, no substance. The shadow monster lurched back and ripped Quinn's brother free of his covers. Quinn ran forward and grabbed Josh by the ankle. They both flew through the air and into the closet. The door slammed shut, sealing them in pitch black. A sound caught his attention. 
like a large amount of sand falling through a grainy hourglass. It was coming from the floor. Quinn looked down. The floor was moving. It swirled around his feet. The sand-like substance of what had once been a wood floor crashed over the toe of his sock in small black waves. He pulled his foot back, but the sand clung to it. Beside him, Josh whimpered as the sand closed over his arm. Quinn brushed it away, but it seemed to have a life of its own. The sand covered him, and all he could do was lay there, feeling the weight of it curl around his feet, his ankles, his legs, knowing he was sinking into it. Whatever it was, it moved up his torso, and he felt suffocated. There was no air, only sand. Josh screamed, but his screams were cut off. As the sand closed in over his small head, Quinn grabbed desperately for Josh's hand, but there was nothing to grab. His brother was gone. Strangely, he could feel his legs dangling, like he was slipping through some hole. It covered his chest, and Quinn took a deep breath and held it. Not knowing if he would ever breathe again, not knowing what was happening or what to do to stop it, the sand swirled around, tickling his eyelashes, covering his face. He felt the weight of it on top of his head, and wondered if he would ever see Josh again. Suddenly, the sand impacted tightly around him, and, just as quickly, released. Quinn fell several feet, landing on the hard ground below. He coughed and drew air into his lungs. His chest burned, but after a few deep breaths, it came easy again. Remembering the flashlight, he turned it on and looked around, gasping at what he saw. He was in a cavern. An enormous cavern of what must have been obsidian. The walls were shiny and black, the floors smooth and reflective. He shined the flashlight up and where he'd fallen through, but there was no sign of any hole or trapdoor, or even sand. Only hard black rock. The floor trembled slightly beneath his feet. He noticed the movement less when he stepped forward, but despite the floor's solid appearance, it struck him as fragile. On the ceiling, just on the edge of the flashlight beam, something moved. Quinn chased it with the light, but it remained at the beam's edge. And like that, on the edge of his hearing, Quinn detected a sound, like a group of people whispering very softly. Hello? In the distance, a noise. It sounded like his brother crying. Josh? Where are you? But silence alone answered him. Quinn called out again, but the only sound was his voice chasing after itself in an echo. The last thing he wanted to do was move deeper into the cavernous tunnel, to move away from the spot, which he feared was the closet, and that he would never be home again. But Josh had sounded like he was getting farther and farther away, so he had no choice. He had to find his brother, and then he had to find a way to get them out of here. Clutching the flashlight in his hand, Quinn moved through the cavern. All around him he could hear faint whispers, but couldn't understand what they were saying. He paused several times, shining the light behind him, trying to catch whoever, whatever, was whispering. But each and every time, there was no one there. Quinn was, despite the nudging of the darkest corners of his imagination, completely alone. Josh was nowhere to be found. It was as if he'd vanished into thin air. The large tunnel then broke off into three smaller tunnels up ahead. Quinn listened, but heard nothing that told him which one Josh might be down. 
he ran a frustrated hand through his hair. Just as he decided to take the middle tunnel, the whispering stopped, and a new sound began. A small click as something hit the floor, then an even smaller noise, like something rolling several feet. He pointed the flashlight down, searching, sweeping the floor for any sign of movement. The sound dulled as whatever it was rattled to a stop just in front of his feet. He bent down, focusing on the item with the light. In near disbelief, he plucked it off the ground, turning it over in his hand. A red, shiny button. Just like the ones on Josh's pajamas. Quinn stood, shining the flashlight on the tunnels again. Josh? Josh? He stepped forward and, just as he was about to enter the center tunnel, he saw movement within his peripheral vision. Taking a step back, he shone his light on the right tunnel entrance. At first, there was nothing, but after a moment, Quinn thought he could hear a small whimper. He hurried down the right tunnel, clutching the button in his hand and calling out for his brother. Several yards in, the whispers return, though they were louder in the smaller space. Quinn still couldn't determine where they were coming from or what they were saying. It was unnerving, as though he was being followed by someone without a voice who insisted on making themselves known. His flashlight flickered and went out. The whispers grew louder and felt as if they were closing in. But that was crazy. They were just noises, weren't they? Quinn knocked the light against his palm. When the flickering subsided and the light returned, the whispering then ceased, and someone was standing in the tunnel with him. He would have recognized that face and those pajamas anywhere. Relieved to see his brother again, he stepped forward. There you are. I've been looking everywhere. The child had his arm extended, stroking the walls in a loving manner that sent a chill up Quinn's spine. Something about the way he moved seemed unnatural. Suddenly, but calmly, he turned his head towards Quinn. Quinn's trembling fingers found his open mouth, hushing a gasp. The child had Josh's mouth, his cheeks, his forehead, his hair, but the eyes, they were filled with shadows. The thing in front of him might have looked like Josh, but it wasn't his brother. It was something else, something sinister, something dark. Quinn backed up, clutching the flashlight tightly to his chest. When he hit the tunnel wall, he expected it to be cool, but it was warm, almost like a living entity. Even though he knew that it wasn't Josh, he swallowed hard and nervously whispered his brother's name. The Josh thing turned slowly, without speaking, and disappeared around the bend. Quinn's heart slammed against his ribs. His breath came in quick gasps. Panic overtook him, but he forced himself to move forward, because something inside of him told him that the Josh thing knew where his real brother lives. Quinn turned around that bend, reluctantly following wherever it was that the Josh thing was leading him. By the time Quinn turned that corner, the thing was already moving around the next bend. Quinn picked up the pace, jogging after the doppelganger. After several more bends in the tunnel, he turned a corner into a small room. A boy was lying on the floor in the fetal position, shuddering and sobbing. Raising every hair on the back of Quinn's neck, the Josh thing bent down and stroked the boy's hair, wordlessly, with its small, pale fingers. The boy scrambled away from it, 
terrified. Quinn shot forward, hugging his brother, his actual brother, tightly. At first, Josh screamed and pushed him away, but then, realizing that it was Quinn, he clung to his sibling's chest, sobbing into his shirt, soaking the fabric. It's okay, whispering close to his ear. Not entirely certain he was telling his brother the truth. It's going to be okay. The Josh thing tilted its head. When it spoke, its voice mimicked Josh's perfectly. But still, something seemed off about it. False. You shouldn't lie to children. Quinn sneered. What are you? It smiled, its dry, cracking lips stretching back from its Josh-like teeth, which seemed sharper than Josh's. We are the Shadow Children. Instinctively, Quinn looked around, but saw no one else. We? The Josh thing smiled and looked up, as if exchanging bemused glances with someone that Quinn couldn't see. We tire of the darkness. We want to live as you live. A small trail of colored dust, shimmering and full of light, floated in the air between Josh and the monster that was mimicking his form. Josh swayed, not at all steady on his feet. He looked pale. He looked weak. The sickening realization hit Quinn that the creature was somehow feeding on his brother, sucking his essence from him and stealing his shape. Maybe without what it was stealing from Josh, it couldn't become anything more than a horrible shadow that had snatched Josh from his bed. Maybe it couldn't face the light before, and somehow Josh knew that. And when Quinn had forced his brother to remain in the darkness, he swallowed the lump in his throat. It didn't go down easily. He realized it was his fault. Josh knew that these things existed, and he knew how to keep them at bay. Quinn ignored that, brushing it off as a stupid little kid fear, and let the monsters in. The Josh thing stretched out its hand again, caressing Josh's hair the way someone might bet a puppy. Quinn jerked Josh from it and glared. It met his gaze with its shadowy eyes, blinking like it couldn't possibly understand why he wouldn't want it touching his brother. You cannot escape. Quinn picked up Josh and stood, gripping his brother as tightly as he could without hurting him. He looked at the Josh thing and tightened his jaw. Watch me. With Josh in his arms, he bolted back down the tunnel, back the way he'd come. As he ran, the indistinguishable whispers started again, quickly growing louder until they were almost deafening. Josh cried against his chest, so scared of what was happening, and Quinn ran as fast as he could, darting around corners with ease. The whispers grew faint as he ran. He was beating them, beating them all. Finally, out of breath, and with nowhere else to run, he entered the large cavern that they had first fallen into. Quinn sat Josh down onto the ground, only then noticing that the trail of shimmering dust still hung in the air, winding its way through the tunnels. Running from the Josh thing wasn't enough to sever the link, to sever the essence-stealing tie. His brother tugged at his sleeve, still trembling, but Quinn was firm. Hold on, Josh. Let me figure this out. On the ceiling, just on the edge of the flashlight beam, something moved. Quinn chased it with the light, but just as before, it remained at the beam's edge. Then suddenly, his ears were filled with a thousand whispery deafening sounds. He waved the flashlight around, and terror filled him. Strange shadow creatures, like the monster that kidnapped Josh, 
peeled from the cave's ceilings, from its walls and floor. One flew dangerously close to Quinn, and he ducked back, but not before seeing the image of a young girl's face reflected in its shadowy substance. The sight of it startled him. It wasn't just Josh that they were after. They flew from their place in the cave and swirled around the two boys, surrounding them completely, blocking any chance of escape. Each of the shadows wore the face of a child, some Quinn knew personally. The Josh thing had said that they tired of the darkness, that they wanted what Quinn and Josh had, what everybody had. The creatures were going to make mirror forms of every kid on Earth. And then what? Kill them all? Suck them dry of their essence? Leaving them empty, hollow shells? Panic set in and Quinn gasped for air. <sighs> layers and layers of the cave floor and walls peeled away until Quinn could see what they were peeling away from. With horrified understanding, he realized that this was no cave. The creatures were the cave. Thousands, maybe millions of shadow monsters out to replace the people of the world. Quinn's heart raced. Beside him, Josh screamed as the shadows closed in. The floor shrank until there was only an island of shadow left. It trembled wildly beneath their feet. Quinn whipped his flashlight around in desperation. On a low part of the cave ceiling, he saw a flash of color, something brown and familiar. He scooped Josh up in his arms and said, Hold tight. One of the shadows whipped forward, snatching the flashlight from Quinn's grip. It threw the light down, smashing it into bits, leaving them all in darkness. The shadow monsters swarmed closer to the boys, and just as their long, shadowy tentacle reached for Josh, Quinn leapt towards the familiar sight of the lower cave ceiling, and clung to the hole in the floor of Josh's closet with the tips of his determined fingers. His biceps burned, but he pulled himself up until he was waist-high into the closet. Josh, get up now! I'm falling! Josh scrambled from his brother, through his pitch-black room, to his bed, drenched in sweat and tears, crying for his brother to hurry. Hurry, before those monsters got him! Something wrapped around Quint's ankle and pulled hard. It was no use. It pulled him back down into the cave, the tips of his fingers only barely clinging to the wood. He was going to fall. And once he did, those things would suck every bit of his essence away. Then, a beam of light suddenly shined down into the hole, and the creatures backed off. Quinn looked up. Josh was holding a flashlight he must have retrieved from the kitchen. Quinn pulled himself free from the hole, his muscles on fire. He collapsed onto the floor of Josh's closet and hugged his brother, trying to staunch his tears. But the danger wasn't over. There was still a hole in the closet floor. It was still dark. Whispers drifted up from the hole until they were filling the room. Josh's flashlight flickered out, as if it couldn't stand up against the growing darkness. Quinn picked up his brother and ran for the door. They had to get out of there, away from the darkness, into the light. The bedroom door opened and their mother flipped the light switch, bathing the room in incandescent light. Where have you boys been? Your father and I have been worried sick. Quinn panted, his heart settling into a more normal rhythm. He looked at the closet, at the perfect unbroken floor. Josh ran across the room and jumped into his mother's arms. Quinn couldn't help but notice that the trail of dust was gone. The Josh thing's connection to him, broken at last. Holding Josh, 
placing kisses on his cheeks, their mum crossed the room and opened the heavy drapes, letting in sunlight. It was morning. Had they really been gone for that long? It had felt like minutes, maybe an hour, but certainly not several hours. She turned back to Quinn with a concerned look on her face. Quinn, is everything okay? We were so scared that something happened to you both. Quinn slowly nodded his head, even though everything was about as far from okay as it could get, and looked from the closet to the sunny day outside. Out the window, he could see the neighbor's kids playing soccer. To any onlooker, it would seem like an ordinary normal day. He turned back to his mum and released a relieved sigh. <sighs> yeah, mum. Everything's fine. We just... As she turned around, Josh leered over his mother's shoulder at Quinn, who froze. Josh smiled and offered a wave. Shadows lurked in his eyes. The darkest that Quinn had ever seen. A huge thank you to Quinn for this story, and here are some author notes. Quinn intended this story to be a origin story for all those black-eyed kid stories out there. So if you're ever wondering how black-eyed kids are created, perhaps this is how it all starts. Thanks a lot, buddy, for sending this story through. And a big thank you to Forsaken X for their story as well. Just brilliant. You always give us action-packed narratives, mate. My favorite parts of the first story are definitely the cars crashing through the houses. Love it. And the second story itself being an origin point for all black-eyed kids? Ingenious. As always, my listeners have such original content tucked up their sleeves, and I'm grateful to have your stories on the show. I have loads more submitted stories to get through because my listeners are so creative. And speaking of stories to get through, if you want to send your own stories my way, you can reach me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. Just like Quinn and Forsaken X did. But that's all I can get through today. Stick with me next week where I bring you more listener stories, a whole new set of original tales just for you, by listeners just like you. <laughs> so have yourself a fantastic Friday, and an even greater weekend, my creepy-licious ghouls. And as always, till next time.